Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. And I'm going to minister. I've been ministering uh, this month. We've been talking about uh, the Advent and what the word Advent means. It means arrival or coming. And we've been talking about the arrival of Christ. And there's really, there's three types of arrival. Jesus coming to the earth and being born as the Savior. uh, Being born through a virgin. And of course, we also have the second arrival, I believe, Jesus coming into our lives. And the third arrival, the Bible talks about that he's going to come again, not as a baby, but as a king and a judge. And in this series, we've been talking about the advent. He's revealed and he's revealed to rescue. That's what Christ came. He came to reveal God to us and to rescue us from our sin. And throughout scripture, even in the Old Testament, there were prophetic words that were giving about, given about the coming of Christ and about the birth of Christ long before he was ever born. And I'm going to read out of the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. And this is the prophetic word about the coming of Jesus. And this is what it says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Consular, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us as we dive into this message this morning. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, God, for your Word is so relevant even in 2022. It applies to every area of our lives. It is not outdated. It is not old-fashioned. But your word applies even in today's time. And so, Father, we pray today that you'd open our hearts. You'd open our minds to receive the word of God. Remove every distraction. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. Lord, we thank you again for our mayor. We thank you for our city. We thank you for her family. And we pray blessing on them. And we pray God bless the people of God as they hear the word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. And so this morning, I want to emphasize the fact that Jesus came to bring us peace. And the book of Isaiah uses several names, says that he's mighty God, that he's a wonderful counselor, but it says also that he is the prince of peace. And I begin to think about peace because we're living in a time where people don't have a lot of peace. I talk to people so much that uh, they tell me about what they're up to. They tell me about the things that they're doing. Uh, I talk to ambitious people. I talk to people that are active. I talk to people who are busy. I talk to business people. But one thing I have found is they do not have any peace. They don't know where to find it. They're looking for answers. And I believe today the answer is Jesus. We live in a time today where people are looking for peace. And it seems that we're in this time where it seems like peace is a little bit elusive. Yet Jesus came for the very purpose to give us peace. 
to give us peace that we're all looking for, especially in our time and the day that we live in. In fact, when this prophetic word was given, I emphasized last week that it was 700 years before Christ was born. So if we estimate that time to today's time, that was basically 2,700 years ago that this prophetic word was given that a child would be born and that he would bring peace. And so, in fact, the very first Christmas, when the angels came and they announced the coming of Christ and they spoke to the angels, one of the words that they used was peace. They said, basically, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to all men. It is not an accident that they use peace. In fact, when Jesus, before he left and before he was crucified, he talked about the kind of peace that he wanted to bring us. And in John chapter 14, verse 27, this is what Jesus said. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He said, the kind of peace that I'm going to give you is not the kind of peace that the world gives you. You can't find peace in a bottle. You can't find peace in a lotion. You can't find peace in a book. You can only find peace in Jesus. And it's the peace that the world cannot give you. That's why Jesus said, the kind of peace I give you, the world doesn't give you. Basically, in the world today, we live in a world where people are giving you phony peace. They're giving you a peace that doesn't fulfill your life. In fact, I was reading about how many peace treaties through history have been signed by different nations and they found that most of those treaties have been broken. In fact, in the history of the world, they found that 8% of the time, there's only been real peace in the world. Those other times, all of these peace treaties have been broken. And today, we live in a time where people are looking for peace and peace seems to be something broken in the hearts and lives of people. Let me read you a story about a man who came to a psychiatrist, and this is what he told him. He goes, every night when I go to bed, I think someone is under my bed. Then I get up and I look, but there's no one there. When I crawl under the bed and I lie down, I get the idea that someone is at the top of the bed. And this goes on every night. I get up, go down, go down, go up, and all of that. He goes, this is driving me crazy, doctor. Do you think you can help me? And the doctor said, yeah, I think I can. He goes, well, you have to visit me twice a week, and each visit is going to be $100. He goes, it's going to be about a year, so it's estimated about $10,000. The man said, that's pretty steep. He said, I'm a working man. I don't know if I can do that. He said, I need to go home and talk to my wife about this. The next week, the man called the psychiatrist and said, Hey, doc, thanks for everything, but I won't be coming back. My wife didn't like the price per the visit. I think the wife was wise right there. She said, but she solved the problem. The doctor said, how did she solve the problem? Well, she cut the legs off the bed, and so I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) The moral of the story is listen to your wife more, right? That's the moral of the story. But again, what I want to say to you is God wants to take the legs off of your worries. He wants to take the legs off of your anxiety and give you complete 
peace. There, there are some things in life that rob us of peace. There's a lot of things that happen in life that rob us of the peace that we should have. And I begin to think about so many things in life that cause stress, so many things in life that cause anxiety, uh, so many things in life, friend, uh, that cause us to be boggled down and weighed down by so many things. I saw an ad, uh, I was looking through Amazon last night, and I begin to look at, uh, you know, I just put peace, and they give you all of these oils and essential oils and different things that you can take and put on to give you peace. And I began to think about that, and I said, man, I, I wish it could be that easy, just a little dab here and a little dab there, and you'd have peace. But I'm here to tell you, you're not going to find peace that way. You're not going to find peace in drugs. You're not going to find peace in alcohol. How many know your problems will learn to swim? Uh, you, can, you can try to find all of these different uh, areas and things to give you peace and medicate yourself, but they'll never give you the peace that, that God wants to give you. So I want to just talk about a couple of issues and really want to help us uh, when it comes to peace. There's a couple of things we need to face, and I think it would really help us because they rob us of peace. There are some things that even though we're contending for peace, we allow these things to rob us of our peace. So if you want to write this down, when circumstances are uncontrollable, we often lose peace. Let's just be honest. You can't control everything. There are things in your life that are beyond your control. And when that happens, we get frustrated. How many of us, you get stuck in traffic, it's beyond your control. Things get delayed, it's beyond your control. How about the more important things that happen in your life that are beyond your control? Someone suddenly dies that you didn't expect. I've been with couples who've been trying to have a baby and they weren't able to. I've been with people that things that they were trying to do didn't turn out the way they wanted to turn out. And what happens is it robs us of our peace. The second thing is people are allowing the peace to rob, are being robbed by peace because they're trying to change people that don't want to be changed. There's a lot of us that we could say, man, that person could use the change, and we get frustrated when they don't change. We even give them like a personal self-improvement uh, guide, right? You give it to your children, your husband, and he doesn't follow it. You get all uh, mad. You get all upset because they're not following the plan. Uh, you're trying to show them how to live better, how to eat better. My wife tried to help me with that, tried to do better. And when they don't do that, it frustrates you. And I think the third one, and a lot of us can relate to this one, what robs us of peace and when problems are unexplainable. Let me just be honest with you. Life is not fair. In fact, the Bible never tells us that life is fair. There's no such thing as they live happily ever after. That's a myth. There are trials, there are battles in life. Uh, there's always going to be things that happen in your life, and you're going you're gonna to say, why did this happen? Uh, when you don't know when the, why things are happening, uh, uh, it, it frustrates you. It, gets, it, it robs you of your peace because we tend to want an explanation 
to the problems in our life. And yet Jesus came again to give us peace in the midst of our issues, in the midst of our of our chaos sometimes. There are things in our lives today that are chaotic, and I'm just going to tell you, living a problem-free life doesn't give you peace. Let me read chapter, uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, the announcement of Jesus is coming. This is what it actually said. I'm going to read the whole scripture here. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said, don't be afraid. He said, I have good news for you, which will make everyone happy. This very day in King David's hometown, a savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord, and you will know who he is because you will find him dressed in baby clothes and lying on a bed of hay. And suddenly, many other angels came down from heaven, and they joined in praising God, and they said, praise God in heaven, peace on earth to everyone who pleases God. Now, I want you to know this announcement was profound to the angels that heard it. And the reason why, because they lived in a time where there was no peace. In fact, if you know a little bit of history, the Roman Empire was in full control. And basically, Israel, or I should say, uh, the Nazareth and all Jerusalem was under control of the Roman Empire. They ruled Judea. They ruled all of that region. And basically, Judea was a province of Rome. And they uh, uh, basically had the people oppressed. They did Rome's bidding. They controlled everything. In fact, there was heavy taxation that was going on. People were unfairly taxed, and there was a lot of oppression. And so the fact that the angels said peace and goodwill, this was great news. This was something that people were waiting for with with an anxious heart because they wanted peace in the midst of what was going on at that time. Now, a lot of us today, we may not feel all the things that these people felt during that time. But do you realize, even as we're sitting here right now, there is not peace everywhere in the world right now. There's a lot of things going on. You think about, have you probably seen it on the news of Ukraine, uh, the war that's going on there? There's different battles going on. In fact, I, I, I looked it up and they found that, I found that uh, there's 450,000 military men and women in active duty stationed around the world right now. Think about it. While we're sitting here comfortable, we have soldiers and people in the military all over the world. And there's a lot of stress, a lot of things going on. And I begin to think about that. And then even here at home, there seems to be the battle, political battles. There seems to be uh, people that are in turmoil, even homes in, in different cities, different things that are happening in our community and around our nation today. And I can tell you today, peace is good news right now. We need, we need a little bit of peace. We need some peace in our world. And the great thing about the Lord is that he's always promised us peace, but peace is in him, not in a circumstance. In fact, one of the names of God is Jehovah Shalom, which Shalom means the God of peace. 
In fact, Jesus, when Jesus came, he said several times, peace be with you. And in other words, Jesus came to offer this peace, and he's looking to give us peace. And I can tell you right now, it's not going to be a place where you think, well, as long as I don't have any problems, I'm going to have peace. I'm telling you, it it doesn't matter if you don't have any problems. You still do not have peace unless you have the Lord in your life. You got to have him in your life. In fact, the Bible says this in John 16, 33, in the world you will have tribulation. You're going to have tribulation. There are going to be battles. There are going to be time in your life that you're going to have to understand. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a couple of more things here that, I, that might, might offend you. I hope I, I don't purposely want to offend you, but I may say some things here that you may not want to hear. But can I just preach the truth this morning? I need to really just kind of share the truth. Three things if you're going to have peace in your life. Number one, write this down. You're going to have to accept things. In other words, acceptance. And number two, trust. And number three, surrender. If you're going to have the peace of God, there are some things you're going to have to accept. And there's going to be some things where you're going to have to trust. And another area, you're going to have to surrender. So write this down. You have to accept the things you cannot change. You have to accept the things you cannot change. Otherwise, you're going to become bitter and you're going to become resentful. I've talked to people all the time. They're feeling guilty about things that they uh, felt like they should have been able to change. But you can't change those things. Things have happened. Things have happened in the past. You can't change them. And having self-pity over the things you cannot change will rob you of your peace. You have to have some acceptance of things that you cannot change. You can't change the past. You can only change the future. You can't change what's happened. You can only change what's ahead of you. You can't change what's behind you. And it's important that we recognize acceptance. Now, let me just be very clear. Acceptance is not giving up. Okay, let me say that again. Acceptance is not giving up. Unless you're a Raider fan, you might as well give up. (laughs) You're losing season, guys. Losing season. Give it up already. Anyway, acceptance. Yeah, I had to throw that in. Acceptance. Acceptance. Well, let me let me take a drink of water here. And here, acceptance. The more abuse, anyway. You guys are abused all the time. So acceptance (laughs) is is again. You, ha- you have to accept things in your life. You cannot change them. And it's simply, listen to me. This was, I, I, I'll give you this. It's simply being willing to have the experience you're already having, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. In other words, whatever experience you're having right now, you just have to accept it. It is, I, I say it this way, it is what it is. When people talk, tell, tell me or call me or say, this, is, this happened, this thing's going, you know, okay, it is what it is. You know, we can't, we can't wish it away. We can't hope it away. And if you begin to spin your energy and you waste your try, time trying to change it, rather than prayerfully being led by God, you're going to end up very stressed out and very frustrated. I'm going to share a story with you, a very tragic story, and it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it for you, but it's a very tragic story. In fact, it's the story that my wife and I have lived, 
And it's a very tragic story. King David, his wife has a baby. And this baby is very sick and dying. And David goes to the temple and pleads for the baby's life. And he prays in the temple for seven days without taking a bath, without eating. And he's weeping and he's crying before God. And the Bible says God did not answer that prayer. Now, we don't know why. We don't understand it. The scripture says that he's praying there, fasting, praying seven days in the temple of God. uh, That finally uh, his advisors, uh, uh, they're scared because the baby has now died. And they're afraid to tell David. And in 2 Kings chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 18, on the seventh day the child died, and David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead and he may do something desperate? So they thought, well, this guy's already on edge. He's already going over the top. How is it that we're going to tell him that he's been praying and now his child day, he's going to lose it. But the Bible says that as David is there, he can hear these uh, attendants whispering. And he knows something's up. He knows something's wrong here. And so he tells the attendants, uh, has the child died? And they said, yes. And, Dave, and, and so when the child dies, the Bible says David gets up, he goes and he takes a bath, he, he, he goes back to the house of God and he worships, and then he has a big meal. The advisors are astounded. They said, hey, what are you doing? He said, you were in agony when the baby was near death. But now that uh, the baby is dead, how is it uh, that you're eating and everything, uh, uh, you you seem to get back into normal? And he said this statement, David said, but now, he said, but David said, uh, he goes, uh, David said, but now that the baby is dead, why should I fast? I can't bring him back to life. You see this acceptance, he's saying, the child has gone to heaven and one day I will die and I will be reunited with that child in heaven. He had this ability to accept what's happened in life. He may not have liked it. He may not have preferred it, but he does not blame God. Listen to what he does. The Bible says that he goes back to the house of God to worship. He goes back to the house to give God praise. He didn't blame God. He didn't blame himself. He didn't blame other people. He didn't do anything foolish. Uh, He accepted the bad news. uh, And the Bible says he went and he comforted his wife. And this is the the heart of a man. The Bible said that David had a heart after God, uh, after God's own heart. Uh, He was able to worship God even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of turmoil. He knew he could not change the circumstances that have happened in his life. And this is what I want to say to you today. There are things we will not be able to change, but we can still have the peace of God. Apostle Paul was taken to Rome. He's put in prison. He's going to be executed by Nero. The only thing that Paul has done wrong is he's been preaching the gospel. Here's what I want to say to you. He didn't do, he didn't commit a crime. He didn't kill anyone. He didn't do anything, but they're going to execute this man for preaching the gospel. He's doing something good. 
And yet the Bible says he begins to write to the Philippians, and we have the Philippians, uh, the book of Philippians, and he writing this story, and in his crisis, he's teaching us to have joy in the midst of crisis. Look at what he says in Philippians 4.11, I have learned to be satisfied with the things I have and with everything that happens. I know how to live when I'm poor, I know how to live when I have plenty. I've learned the secret of being happy at any time and everything that ha- happens, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's learned something to have a peace of God in the midst of turmoil and in the midst of a crisis. Now, how do we learn to accept things that, that have happened in life? Acceptance is learned through experience. I've learned as I've gone through life that I've learned through experience there are things that I'm not going to be able to change. But I'm not going to tell you that my experience has saw me through, but experience has taught me how to trust God. It's been supernatural that the Holy Spirit can give me strength whenever I'm going through things, whatever it's happening in my life. You learn to trust God. You learn how to trust God in life, whether there's sickness, because you have to understand there's going to be sickness, there's going to be pain, there's going to be death, there's going to be tears, but God's going to be there to help you through it. One of the things that keeps us from having peace in circumstances is because we demand an explanation. We demand an explanation. I can't tell you how many times when something happens that people are saying, why? Why, God? How come? And we're demanding an explanation. Why did you allow this? Why is this happening? And over and over, you see people doing that, and they're in tor- turmoil, and they lose peace because they want to know why. They're demanding a why. Sometimes the question isn't why. Sometimes the question needs to be what. What can I learn from this? What can I do to recover? What can I do to trust God? What can I do to be strengthened by God? Because let me just be honest. Again, I don't want to offend you this morning, but I do want to preach to us today and share with you some truth here that I've learned as a pastor and going through life, even through some tragedy in my own life. I've told you, my wife and I, uh, she was pregnant for six months and she had tw- we had twins and they passed away. There's no explanation for that. She had to give birth to stillborn twins. It's a tough thing in our life. I lost my mother last year from COVID. It's the tough thing when things happen. I lost a good friend. Most of you know Anthony Woody Calvary. I lost him last year. His son is here today serving God. Thank the Lord. And he's going to get married, so we appreciate him. And he wasn't walking with God during that time. And then the Lord brought him to the Lord through that. But I just want to say, sometimes we say, you know, God, we demand an explanation. Can I tell you, God doesn't owe you an explanation. I'm going to show you a scripture here in Isaiah 45. It said, does the clay pot dare argue with its maker? A pot is like all others. Does the clay ask the potter what's he doing? Does the pot complain that its maker has no skill? Do we dare say to our parents, why did you make me like this? The Lord, the holy God of Israel, the one who shapes the future said, you have no right to question me about my children or tell me what I ought to do. I'm the one who made the earth and created human beings to live there. 
By my power, I stretched out the heavens, and I controlled the sun, the moons, and the stars. So the Bible says that he's not obligated. He says that the creation question the creator. We have to understand that God has the plan, that God is in control, that as long as we live on this earth, there's going to be pain, but we have a loving God that still cares about us today. Number two, even if he did explain it to you, you wouldn't understand it anyway. I mean, think about it. We're saying, well, God, go ahead and explain it to me. In our infinite mind, man, we can't even understand. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's mind is so great, so powerful. There are so many things at work uh, generationally that affect others that we could not possibly comprehend the, the mind of God and the plan of God. This is what God tells Job. I I love what God tells Job here because Job is complaining about the suffering that he's going through. Then the Lord answered Job chapter 38. The Lord answered Job from the storm. He said, who is this that makes my purpose unclear by saying things that are not true? Be strong like a man, he said. I will ask you questions yet and you must answer me. Where were you when I made the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand that. Who marked off how big it should be. Surely you know. Who stretched the ruler across it. Where, what were the earth's foundations set on. Who put its cornerstones in place. While the morning stars sang together. And all the angels shout, shouted with joy. Who shut the doors to keep the sea in. When it broke through and was born. When I made the clouds like a coat for the sea. And wrapped it in dark clouds. When I put limits on the sea. And put its doors and bars in place. When I said to the sea. You may come this far. And no further. This is where your proud wave must stop. And so he goes on and on here telling Job, hey, were you born? Were you there when I created everything? You have any idea? I mean, this is the real uh, uh, detail explanation uh, of how God created everything. He said, we're trying, to, we're trying to question God. And God said, you wouldn't understand it anyway. And third, explanation don't bring peace anyway. Now, I mean, I want to just share this with you because a lot of us, we think, man, if I just knew why, then it would really give me peace. If I just knew why this is happening, then I would have peace. Can I tell you, people have got explanations and it actually gets them more resentful. They find out, man, why were we homeless during that time? Then they find out their dad was an alcoholic and, and buying drugs and he spent all the money doing that. And they get more mad. They're more upset. They found out their family's broken because their mom cheated on them and, and the dad uh, you couldn't uh, sustain that marriage because of that. And you go, man, I'm more mad. I'm more upset. So many times we think, man, if I just knew why, believe it or not, sometimes if we knew why, we get more resentful. It's probably better we just give it into the hands of God and say, God, I trust you. I don't understand why. What comforts us when we're in pain? What comforts us today when we're looking for peace? I love, I love Psalms 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God brings us comfort even in the shadow of death. Even when it seems like God is silent. See, I'm going to tell you when God's silent, that's really going to test your faith. 
When God is silent, when God is not responding, that's really going to test your faith. There's the uh, old prayer that most of us probably have read, the serenity prayer. And it says that God grant me the serenity. Well, let me say that again. Serenity. God grant grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. How many of you have ever heard that prayer? I see it posted everywhere. But they've left out a number of lines out of that prayer. That prayer has been edited. Let me read you the whole prayer when it actually originally was written. It said, God, God grant me the serenity, serenity, serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship at the pathway to peace. Taking as he did, talking about Jesus, this sinful world as as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. So there's something about peace that even in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of pain, that we can have it. Number two, write this down. We have to learn how to trust God. Isaiah 26, 3. The Lord give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust you. There's something about having peace when we trust God. We're saying, God, we trust you. No matter what is going on in my life, the story of Corey Ten Boone, she was a Dutch Christian who along with her father and family members helped many Jewish people escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II and she was in prison and her, she lost her family. But her famous line, she wrote this, she goes, when I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed. But when I look at Christ, I am at rest. Hallelujah. So here's where she, he, she's saying here, she's saying no matter what's going on in my life, I do find rest. There's a couple of things we need. I'm going to go real fast, as fast as I can here. A couple of reasons why we are going through things in life today that we're facing that seem to be unfair. Number one, the fall of man. Adam choked. How many understand that? When I see Adam, I'm going to know, no, I'm not. We, all of us would have done the same thing. The fall of man, basically sin nature into the world. So we live in a fallen nature, uh, nature or a fallen world. It's a broken world. Number two, we face an enemy, which is Satan. A lot of us say, is the devil real? Of course he's real. Jesus talked about Satan. He, goes, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy so we fight a battle found in Ephesians chapter 6. It said we don't fight flesh and blood, but we're fighting spiritual strategies here of the enemy. So Satan is also at work against us. And so we have the sinful nature. We have this spiritual uh, thing that's coming against us. And then a lot of problems in our own life is self-sabotage. You did it to yourself. Your own mistakes. How many of us are living to some of our own mistakes that we're facing in life. And so it's all of these things that are causing problems in our life. And in the midst of that, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. How many thank God for that? Don't worry about what you're going to wear. He said, your father in heaven knows. And so there's two days that you don't need to worry about. Yesterday, 
tomorrow. You just need to think about today. Can you say amen? He's talking about a time where we need to trust him regardless of what's happening in our life. We live in a world where we're just constantly worried. We're worried about this and we're worried about that. One man said that he got rid of his worries. His neighbor said, how did you do it? He said, I hired a man to do all my worrying for me. He said, really, how, how, how did you do it? He goes, well, I paid him $100,000 to do my worrying. He goes, $100,000, how are you going to pay him? He goes, that's something he needs to worry about. All right? I wish it could be that easy, right? We can just... But the Bible says, cast all of our cares upon the Lord, 1 Peter 5, 7. And sometimes we just need to cast all our cares upon Jesus. There's an old song that says, cast all your cares, cast all your cares upon Jesus. And I believe that today. Some of us, we just need to cast our cares. It comes to a point in our life where we say, God, today we just cast our cares upon you. We don't understand it. We don't understand why. But somehow, God, we trust you and we believe you. And the last thing, if we're going to have true peace today, we have to surrender. We have to stop fighting. You know, we're fighting, we're fighting ourselves. We're, 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 we're trying to do, we're, and to a degree, we're kind of fighting God. Like we're trying, to, we're trying to straighten out God so he could fix everything the way we want it to be. And a lot of times, you know what surrender really means? It means just being obedient. God, I don't understand why. I don't understand all of these things, but, but I know who you are and I trust you enough that God, I surrender to you. When you're trying to control everything. See, the lack of surrendering is you think you know better than God. You think you can be better in control. And the moment you stop trying to be God and you surrender it on to God, things begin to change in your life. Romans 8, 6 says, if a person's thinking, uh, if a person's thinking is controlled by a sinful self, then there is death. But if his thinking is controlled by the spirit, then there is life and there is peace. I'm telling you today, evidence of a surrendered life is someone that obeys God no matter what. Can we trust you, God, enough that we surrender to you? Can we trust you, God, enough that I'm not going to be bitter? I'm not going to be resentful. God, I don't understand. And I don't, again, I don't claim to understand all why things happen and the way they do and why all the things are happening. But I just know that God's still in control. I still know that God's on the throne. That God, no matter what happens, my, 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 my life is still going to trust you. I remember this one pastor. Remember this story. and He shared this at the funeral of his wife. His wife had a diabetic attack. And there she was in the living room. And he was trying to bring her back. CPR doing everything that he could and his wife died in his arms and at the funeral the pastor said something that I've never forgotten and he said this my heart is broken but my faith is intact my heart is broken but my faith is intact I still have faith in God I still trust God he's still good can you say amen Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, let's pray. Close our eyes. Holy Spirit.
we thank you for your grace. We thank you, God. We don't understand everything there is. God, we weren't there when you created everything. God, we don't understand all the logistics, all the dynamics of your creation. God, because we're just human beings. We're looking from our perspective, and yet, God, you have such a larger picture than we do. God, we're looking at one piece of the puzzle, but you're seeing the whole thing. So, God, I pray today that you'll just minister to people in this room. I don't know where they're at right now, today, what's happening in their life, all the details, but, God, you do. I just speak peace, peace, peace over your people right now. There's some that are in battle. There's some that are in turmoil. There's some that are hurting. There's some that have a lot of pain. I speak peace, peace, your peace, God, not the world's peace. If you're in this room with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you've never given your heart to Christ, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I can tell you, you will never have peace outside of Christ. You need Christ in your life today. Peace is the person. His name is Jesus. The Prince of Peace. You want real peace? Peace is the person. His name is Jesus today. Today you can have him in your life. Invite him in your heart. Have him forgive you of all your sins. Change your life around. So if you're in this room right now, you be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need Jesus in my life. I need to surrender my life to Christ. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, that's me. I want to pray for you this day. You say, that's me. I need the Lord in my life. I need Christ in my life. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone here? Say, that's me. I need Christ in my life today. I need Jesus to come in my heart. If that's you, I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to pray with you. I want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus in your life today. Is there anyone at all? You just raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. I need the Lord in my life. Is there anyone at all right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you were once walking with God, but you're away from God today. You need to rededicate your life to him. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Is there anyone here right now? Anyone at all? Why don't we all stand together? And we're going to pray. And I know, I know this morning, there's many of you right now, man, There's some things that kind of disrupted you. There's some things happening in your life. Maybe personally, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, someone you know. Man, it's kind of rocked you a little bit. And you say, God, I need some peace. Some of you need to be make peace with God. Maybe, maybe you're a little resentful. It could be. Let's just be honest. Maybe you're a little maybe you're kind of blaming God. Like maybe you're one of these people that's saying, why, why? And it's caused you to be a little bitter. And you're saying, God, I need, you need to make peace with God today. Say, God, I surrender. I trust you today. God, I need you to help me today. In fact, if you need prayer, why don't you just come to this altar? Just come to this altar. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.